that hope actually has more power in this world. I read this this last week because I thought it was interesting. It's been said that a person can live 40 seconds or 40 days without food. Some of us 40 seconds, but <laughs> mostly 40 days. Four days without water, four minutes without air, but only four seconds without hope. See, hope is what keeps us going. I don't know if any of you have ever read about or heard about a man named, he's a psychologist named Viktor Frankl. He was uh, caught up in the concentration camps, and he noticed a very interesting thing. When he came out of the concentration camps, he wrote lots of great books and helped a lot of people, but what he noticed was the people who survived the concentration camps versus those who didn't. And the ones who didn't were the ones who gave up hope. And you could see it in their eyes, he said, that one day they would just give up hope. And you knew that that person, in just a couple of weeks, would be dead because they gave up hope. And without that hope, what happens? We give up. We have to remember that even when we're down, even when things are, are difficult, there still has to be hope. Take a look at this passage right here. This is from Psalm 42. Why are you downcast? Oh my, have, you, have you ever had a, a, a down day, a depressing day, maybe a really depressing time? Well, so did the psalmist. Why are you so disturbed within me? Put your what? Hope in God, for I will yet praise him. Okay, now here's an individual who's saying, look, I know it's bad, and I'm really down, and I'm really depressed, but guess what? It won't be like this forever. I know that I'm going to get past this. And so there's hope. I don't know if any of you can relate, but um, I understand suicide. Now, I've never gotten to the point in my life where I've really seriously contemplated that, but I can remember a time, and the, actually the year is 1998. I remember it incredibly clearly. I can't go into all the details of what was going on in my life, but I, everything was crashing down around me. It was the most painful time in my life. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, if I had to live like this for the next 40 years, I couldn't do it. I would understand. Just leaving. But I'm a Christ follower, so I had hope. I knew that even though everything was crashing down, it was a horrible time. I'm going through anxiety attacks, panic. You ever go through panic attacks? I'm going through it such an incredible time. I also know that I'm going to get through it. I also know that my father was with me. I know that I'm going to make it. And so I kept on, and guess what? Eventually things got better like I knew that they would. But they got better because I had hope. Ever heard of a man named Admiral Stockdale? Admiral Stockdale was the highest-ranking uh, prisoner of war in Vietnam. And uh, he was in the prisoner of war camp for like six or seven years. And uh, when he came out, he, the people asked him, you know, how did you do it? How did you make it? And he talked a little bit about it. And, and they said, okay, tell us about the ones who didn't make it. Tell us about the ones that, that died there. And he said, well, I can tell you exactly who it was. It was the optimists. The optimists were the ones that always died first. Said, Wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense. He said, well, here's why. Because an optimist would say, uh, don't worry, we'll be out in three months. And they weren't. We'll, we'll be out by Christmas. Don't worry, though, we'll, we'll be out by this summer. And they weren't. And at some point, you know what they did? They gave up hope. And when they gave up hope, they died. Which caused him to create something called uh, the Stockdale Paradox. 
it looks this way. This is, he says, this is what you have to do in a really tough situation. He says, what you've got to do is you must retain faith that you will prevail in the end and regardless of the difficulty, and at the same time, you must confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they might be. In other words, he said, look, you have to maintain hope that you're going to make it while at the same time accepting the tough time that you're going through right now. We're not trying to minimize the tough time. We're just saying, okay, it's tough right now, but I know I'm going to make it. It's called the Stockdale Paradox. He did not come up with it. He may have put it in these words, but I'm going to show you the biblical version right now of the Stockdale Paradox. Here it is. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Let's stop right there. Would you read that with me right here? Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. But then he goes on to say this who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed at the last time. In this, you greatly rejoice, though for a little while you have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Stockdale principle. Life is tough. God is good. Jesus is risen. I'm going to make it. That's the Stockdale principle, that is the biblical idea. See, we, what we have is we have what we call a living hope. It's not just a hope. It's a living hope. It's living because Jesus is our hope. We, we know we're going to make it. We know, okay, things are bad. We understand that for some of us things are worse than others, but we're going to make it because Jesus is alive. And we have this living hope because of this. Through Now, this is what the resurrection of Jesus is all about. You can come to church or somebody asks you, well, what's this whole resurrection thing about on the Easter? What's the, what's the big deal? Well, the big deal is this. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have a living hope, and with that living hope, we can face tomorrow. We can actually make it through everything that comes our way. We won't like it. It will hurt. Some things will be very difficult. Sometimes it will be easier, but we will make it through it all. Because Jesus Christ is alive. Take a look at these passages when it talks about this, uh, trying to describe us what we were like before God. Remember that at, at, at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise. What? Without hope and without God in the world. Okay? There was a time in our lives when we were apart from Jesus Christ. There was a time in my life when I didn't trust him. He wasn't my hope. My hope was to put in all the things that Americans think their hope should be in. And it was a fool's hope, a false hope. But then I put my hope in Jesus Christ. Before I knew him, I really had no hope. The hope that I claimed to have was a stupid fool's hope. It wouldn't work. It wouldn't sustain me. It wouldn't get me where I want to go. But now I know Jesus Christ. And because I know Jesus Christ, there's a hope in me. Because Jesus is alive. Through the resurrection, I now have hope. Take a look at this passage here. God can't break his word. And because his word cannot change, the promise is likewise unchangeable. We who have run for our very lives to God have every reason to grab the promised hope with both hands and never let go. It's an unbreakable spiritual lifeline reaching past all appearances right to the very presence of God. Because
because Jesus Christ is alive, because we've come to him, we reach out and we take this hope from God with both hands and we hold on for dear life. Because our hope isn't in our own ability and it's certainly not in America, it's not in our culture, it's not even in our friends and family, although they, they can be a great benefit or not. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. Now, why is it that the resurrection of Jesus, why we're all here together today and and to celebrate this resurrection, why is it that the resurrection brings us this hope that we need to live? Well, there are two things that just scare the bejeebers out of each one of us. You know what they are? Here they are. Ready. These are the two things. First of all is death, and the second one is life. Okay, that kind of covers it all right there, doesn't it? I mean, death frightens us, and we're, we're frightened, but sometimes life frightens us. When life is going well, that's not too bad, although there are people who are afraid of success. Did you know that? I know some people who are so terrified of success, every time they get close to it, they sabotage it so that they won't be successful because they're frightened of success. Well, most of us would welcome success. But it's the tough times in life, the things where you're fearful about what could happen. I remember (laughs) so clearly... We were living in Azusa at the time, even before I went into ministry, and, and uh, we were teaching Jason how to ride bicycles and tricycles, things like that, and we were so happy when he learned how to ride. And uh, we were outside in the in the driveway, and he was riding, and he took off, and, and I suddenly realized I've given him every tool he needs to utterly destroy himself. If you're a parent, particularly a young parent, you know that at that moment, the screech of tires outside takes on a whole new meaning, doesn't it? You hear the screech and you immediately go, where's my kid? Now, before he knew how to do that, he stayed in the house. It was easy. But suddenly, there's a whole fear out there. (laughs) I can't keep him. I've got to let him go. But there's a fear. Sometimes we go through great times in life. Sometimes we go through horrible, rotten times. And life actually frightens us. Well, death we can now face because Jesus has been raised from the dead. That's what the resurrection is all about. There was a a time in the early church, as a matter of fact, when people were talking and maybe thinking that there is no resurrection. It's kind of a holdover from some old Jewish thoughts. They were called the Sadducees, and and they didn't believe in a resurrection. They kind of came into the Christianity and and brought that belief with them and said, no, no, there's no resurrection. Don't worry about resurrection. That's, That's not important. Paul writes to the church in Corinth and says this, For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you're still in your sins then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If for only this life we hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. In other words, there is life. When Jesus Christ rose from the dead, what it said to us is, you know what? There is life after death. And suddenly, while, while the whole concept of dying frightens us, death no longer has that same sort of fear. That's why when we come as Christ followers and believers, when we come to a memorial service as we did yesterday, Yesterday we got together and we remember John Mitchell who passed just a few weeks ago, just unexpectedly, suddenly, and broke our hearts. But we didn't come without hope. Quite, The Bible says this, Brothers, we don't want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. My mind goes back to a, um, a funeral service that I did many, many years ago when I was pastoring in Vallejo, California. 
and I had been called on to uh, to lead a f- funeral service for someone who didn't attend the church. They just wanted some place to hold a service, and it was a biker gang. Look at me. Do I look like a biker gang kind of pastor? It was interesting. They, I got to know them. We met a little bit, and uh, we got to the church, and <laughs> this guy had been killed in a motorcycle accident, and the coffin is there in the front of the church, and uh, I'm ready to start, and nobody will come in. All of his friends were way out in the foyer because in this room were two things that scared them to death, even though they were bikers, death and God. And I had to force them to come in so we could do the service. They were terrified. We're not like that. Yesterday when we gathered, remember John Mitchell, I mean, we didn't want to do that. It's not where we wanted to be on the day before Easter, but we gathered with hope. Jesus Christ has been risen from the dead because he is alive. There is life after death. And because he is alive, John Mitchell is still alive. Now, we call him dead, but all that means is he's not here. He's there. But Jesus promised us that in him, if you die, you will continue living. So we come into those memorial services saddened because we miss him, but rejoicing because we know he is alive. It's incredible. That's what Jesus Christ's resurrection does for us. I can't begin to tell you how many funerals I've done, how many phone calls, how much grief I've been around. It's measured in the hundreds and the hundreds. I remember my first call and the first funeral. I was 23 years old, just started in the ministry. And having to meet with family who were brokenhearted because of a lost loved one. And since that time, hundreds and hundreds of times, I've been called out, I've walked with people, I've done funerals, I've literally carried men down the aisle as they had to look in the face of their dead teenage son who had been killed in a driving accident. How do you deal with that? How, how can you face that kind of grief that we have to face, those of us who do grief counseling? Well, you have two choices. You can, you can become numb. You can just remove yourself from it all and say, I'm not going to feel anything. I'm going to be completely dis- disattached, unattached. That's it. That would be terrible. You know how we're able to do it, those of us who do it all the time? Hope. There's hope. We come with John Mitchell, and I know that he's alive. And not only that, there is hope for the family in the healing. I know that my father, because Jesus Christ is alive, my father is going to bring healing even to the people who are left here. He has done it every single time. He has never once failed. So while I'm grieving, I'm also knowing, and I see your pain, I also know that in time God will bring healing. That is the hope. Of the resurrection. Which brings us to that second thing that we fear. That that life. When life is good and easy. Maybe we don't have a whole lot of worries. But life isn't always good. Life isn't always easy. In fact. If you like the promises of Jesus. I'm going to give you a promise of Jesus. You may not like this one. Here's his promise to you right here. These things I spoke to you. That you might have peace in the world. You shall have. Not maybe have. If have. Might have. It's going to happen. And by the word. The word tribulation here. See there. Tribulation. 
Sometimes you're going to read this in a passage that will say, in the world you'll have trouble. Okay. The Greek word behind this doesn't mean trouble, like, oh, my car didn't start this morning and I've got trouble. The word is agony. You know what the word really goes back to? It's the word pressure. Daryl, I'm going to borrow you just for a second. Come here, my friend, because you look great. Come here, Daryl. Stand right here, okay? Now, you don't have a bad back, do you? I hope not. Okay, trouble is represented when we push down a little bit. Tribulation, the word means pressure, like this. Okay, this is tribulation. Are you feeling tribulation down there, my friend? Okay, there you go. Good job. That's the difference between trouble and tribulation. Jesus didn't say you're going to have trouble. He said you're going to have tribulation. It's going to happen. Your world is going to come crashing down around you. That's the way it works. But did you notice he said this? I've overcome the world. He, and he didn't do it by just writing a self-help book to say, okay, now here's the four steps you need to overcome. Because quite frankly, that won't do me any good. I don't need four steps. I need help. He said, look, I've overcome it. I can help you do it as well. I need more than advice. I need help. So here's that other promise from Jesus Christ. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, that doesn't mean very much coming from a dead man, okay? If Jesus Christ isn't alive right now, right here today, this promise means nothing. But because Jesus Christ is alive. When he says, I will be with you, he means I'm not just going to give you advice. I'm going to help you do it. I'm going to be right in your life. If you'll let me, I can be right there to help you do it. We need to remember this. We need to remember that Jesus Christ has promised, and that because of his resurrection, he is alive. We don't have to fear death because we know there's life after death, and he promises life after death. But even in this world, the things that we have to face, and I know there are so many things we have to face. I understand that. But we've got to remember, and that's where we lose it from time to time. Life comes in. We get busy. We get in the routine. And we even forget that Jesus Christ is alive. The crucifixion doesn't mean as much to us the other what, 51 Sundays of the year as it does on this particular day. That's why the Bible says this. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. I pray that you guys would get it all the time. That's what Paul is saying. I, I pray that you would get it every single day. You'd wake up and go, whoa, Jesus is alive today. I can face it. You would wake up every, in the middle of the day when you go to bed, I, Jesus, I get it. He's alive. And because he's alive, I've got the help I need, not just to face the end of my life, but to face every day of my life. Because this is really what it means. We're going to wrap it up right here, just a couple of minutes. This is what the resurrection of Jesus means to me. In Jesus, after every crucifixion, there is a resurrection every single time. Can you say it with me? In Jesus, after every crucifixion, there is a resurrection every single time. 
I don't know the crucifixions you're going through. We face them all the time. Jesus said we're going to have to pick up our cross and follow him every single day, which means there are going to be crucifixions. Some are small. Some of those little things, the car won't start, whatever it is. But there are other crucifixions that we face. Divorce, joblessness, health, financial crucifixions that just want to tear us apart where that pressure pushes down. We won't all go through all of these, but we will all go through some of them because Jesus promised for us. It's part of living right here, right now. The pressure that just builds and builds and builds and builds. But the good news is because of Jesus' resurrection, because I know this is true, this is how my Father works. After every crucifixion, there is a resurrection. Things will get better. Our Father will be with us. We can face tomorrow because Jesus Christ is alive. Take a look at this passage as Paul was writing to the church at Rome, and he wanted to remind them of, of, okay, it's a tough thing. Remember, the church at Rome is about to go through some incredible tribulations. The church at Rome, eventually the church at Rome is going to try to be destroyed by the emperor of Rome. Even at this time, the, the persecutions are beginning. But this is what he says to that particular church in Rome. And we know that in all things God works for the good for those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, God works within our lives. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, what? Who can be against us, right? Because there's hope. We're going to make it. We're going to be able to face these things. We're going to get through them. Because our Father is going to be there because Jesus Christ is alive. Then he goes on to say this. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced. Read this with me. Ready? I am convinced that neither death nor life Neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to do what? Will be able to separate us from the love of God. That is in who? Christ Jesus. Okay. What crucifixions are you going through right now? Well, this is what I want you to remember right here. In Jesus, after every crucifixion, there is a resurrection every single time. I don't know what you're going through. For some of you, it's, it's, it's trouble. It's just a minor thing. For some, it's a tribulation. Some of you are facing the dreaded C word, cancer. Or the D word, divorce. Or the B word, bankruptcy. And some, even the dreaded H word, homelessness. Sorry. I, all I can tell you is I know that God promised that these things would happen in our lives. They're just going to happen. Sometimes it's because of our own choices. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's the choices around us. Sometimes it just happens. I don't know why. But you have a choice. You can give up hope. And you'll last about four seconds. Because when there's no hope, why would you go on? Or you can say to yourself, you know what? Jesus is alive. Jesus is risen from the dead. He's overcome all of these things. There is hope. It will get better. I hate my life today. But it's going to get better. Because Jesus Christ is alive. 
But to have that hope, we have to be constantly reminded of that hope. It's one thing about about this hope. We 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 tend to kind of get over it, and we let the pressures of life kind of wear us down. I want to show you this passage right here. This is from Hebrews. He says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, okay? Because that's what's going to get us through. That's what we need to do. For he who promised is faithful, okay? God's going to get us through. He did that. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together. Now, here it is. I know many of you are, you come... Christmas and Easter, and you're welcome. It's great to have you here. And if you don't come to this church again until next Easter, wonderful. Great to see you. Glad that you're here. We would just want to say one thing to you, that between now and then you're going to need a lot of hope as well. And one of the reasons we come together every Sunday morning is to encourage one another and to give each other hope and to remind us, remember, Jesus is alive. You're going to make it. I don't care what your week was like or what your week is, we can make it. That's actually one of the purposes of us coming together is to encourage one another and to say, you're going to make it. You can pray with people, you can say, Man, going, or you can do the whole thing like we normally do. How are you doing? Oh, great, when it's really not. But what would happen if someone said, hey, how are you doing? You go, Man, it's a bad day. Man, it's a tough day. Hey, let's, let's talk about that. Let's, let's pray about that. And do you remember? Jesus is alive. There's hope. We love to bring you hope once a year. We love to bring you hope every week. Because that's why we're here. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. Let's go on. But in your hearts, set apart Christ Jesus as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer for everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Okay. Did you see what it just said? We come together so that we can remind each other Jesus Christ is alive. There is hope. We're going to make it. It's going to be great. It's going to be fantastic. Some of us who are going through a great life can, can share with people who are maybe going through a difficult time. But then every now and then someone's going to come to us and say, okay, what, what's this whole thing? Why, why are you a Christ follower? What does this whole thing mean? Why can you face this whole thing, the, the, the issues that you have, the tribulations, the troubles? Why can you get through those? Scripture says that we need to be ready to give a reason for that hope. We have the hope of the resurrection. We have the hope of Jesus Christ. Are you prepared? Now, I've got to tell you that sometimes what that means is we put you through this long class, and we teach you how to give your testimony, and we teach you all the theology, grace, God, man, Christ, faith, and the four spiritual laws, and I can do that, bore you to tears. You don't need it. You know what you need to know? Someone says, why do you have this hope in your life that you're going to be able to make it? Here's what you say right here. You say, because he lives. That's it. Okay, that's the only reason. I can't give you any other reason except Jesus Christ is alive. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, I'm going to make it. Because he lives, I can get through anything I've got to get. And by the way, because he lives, I'm going to help you get through it as well. Do you understand that's really what the church is about. It's a group of people coming together under the hope of Jesus Christ, encouraging and helping one another. Remember the simple fact, Jesus is alive. That tomb is empty. He is risen. And you say, one more time, he is risen. And because of that, we can face tomorrow. Now, the problem is, sometimes we're not all excited about that. A little video I want to show you, and then we'll move on with the service. 